You're listening to The Outfield with Eddie Robinson on Sirius XM OutCue. How difficult, Shane, how challenging has it been for you to get your body in this kind of shape knowing what your past looked like? Um, just, uh, I mean, the prevalence, women usually carry more body fat, so you have to be really cognizant of that. So obviously I have to hit the cardio a lot harder. Um, cardio is a part of my military uh, regiment for physical fitness, but um, for me <laughs> and my coach Jody Westby can testify to that. It's just uh, cardio, 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 and then more cardio. <laughs> wow! Yeah. And when you say cardio, what does that entail? Does it? I mean, are we are we on bikes? Are we doing the treadmills? Yeah. I mean, no, what I what are, what to, what is it? Yeah, I try to do hit. So I try to do, um, you know, I'm not running like I do for work. I'm actually doing uh, that, you know, 125 um, beats per minute sort of like sustaining cardio for, you know, between 15 to yeah. 30 minutes to kind of burn okay. the body fat out. So I switched from doing like intervals on the Stairmaster to doing um, biking. And then when I bike, I bike for like 30 minutes and I don't sit down the entire time. Like things like that, they're just very intense, like... Um, sort of like short burst of like cardio or um, I like to do um, sort of like the uh, the suicides, the NFL suicides and like uh, the football field and stuff like that. That's what I do for my cardio. Yep. Uh, Sergeant Ortega, how have you been doing? I mean, you're a hard man to catch up with. Are, are you filming something? I, mean, I think we've been trying to get you on the show for the past couple of weeks. Our schedules have been crisscrossing. <laughs> but, uh, what, what's going on? Are you doing? Oh shoot! Yeah, but what's going on? Oh, so um, I'm so sorry. See, um, I, I think it's it's just getting a little it's getting a little much. I probably need to hire like an assistant or something. But um, oh. <laughs> yeah. Then if you um, hire an assistant, we'll never get to you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I'll be like, please call my assistant. Um, no, no, you'll right, call me. Right. I'll, I'll answer. <laughs> um, for you, I'll answer. Uh, no, um, I was uh, filming for Fusion TV. Um, they, uh, they're going to air like a little news documentary, and I was filming last weekend uh, for that, and it's going to air on Tuesday at uh, 10 Eastern time. So that's what okay. I was filming. And then um, I'm trying to do a couple other things. I'm trying to work with Vlad and HRC, and then also to use the Trevor Project. And then okay. I'm also um, trying to link up with Chris Moiser to start working on transgender inclusion in sports globally. So I'm just doing a lot of a lot. <laughs> well, you have a lot you're uh, presumably dealing with here. You know, I mean, you know, here's the deal. I mean, before we get into all that discussion with regards to the army and and the Pentagon and what they're doing and the whole thing, first, Jane, walk us through what it was like in competition. I mean, here you are. You just fourth in the NPC competition, which is huge. Just kind of walk us through your your mindset. I mean, you had to have been a nervous wreck. I mean, talk to us about how that competition went and when you finally realized that, oh, you're qualified for the Nationals. You can move on. Yeah. Um, so during the competition, I was actually kind of nervous because um, I didn't, you know, you know, a man of trans experience and coming with, like, a female body, you always worry about, like, oh, did I condition enough? You know, when in doubt, dieting yeah. early. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, as soon as they said, like, I could compete in the competition, I, you know, that, that kind of quieted some of the butterflies. But, um, you know, I was concerned with, like, making sure, like, I had good symmetry and size and proportion. And then, you know, I put on enough muscle, but not too muscle mm-hmm. to look like too much muscle to look like a bodybuilder sort of thing, mm-hmm. and um, to, 
be honest, like, I'm kind of the opposite. Most people that, like, get really nervous, they talk a lot or they, like, get really loud. For me, I just get very quiet. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I just get, like, super quiet. I don't want to get, like, I'm, like, no excitement. I want to be in a quiet room and just, like, focus on what's going on and, like, um, just kind of hone in. Um, definitely going on stage the first time and, like, sitting in there with, you know, about 2,000 people, which uh, was in the theater, was just, like, crazy because I had never um, experienced that. And then it's just you on stage by yourself, you know, half naked, <laughs> 2,000 eyes nice. staring at you. <laughs> So, and then um, um, definitely for me, the posing was the the biggest thing for me because um, I'm like a soccer player, a wrestler, so I'm used to those kind of movements. But like that sort of like graceful, like sort of calculated movement was really difficult. And I spent uh, like six weeks like learning how to pose. <laughs> oh, and yeah, like some an very intense posing too. I mean, like I've I was just recently at a strongman competition here in Houston, and I mean they are. It's they seem kind of awkward, you know, but those poses matter, and I think that they um, count as far as like the judges scoring and all that. I've I've never been involved with the scoring and understanding how the judges score people. I, I what do they look for when you're actually oh. up on stage and you're doing these poses? What's going on there? Yeah, so men's physique is definitely more objective. I mean, uh, more sub subjective versus objective. Bodybuilding is like, um, you know, you, you meet your weight class. Say it's like the 200 weight class. Everybody is, you know, around that same weight. And then it's about symmetry and striation, fullness, thickness mm. of muscle. Things can be objective that, you know, they're used to. Men's physique is subjective. Just because you have a great, you know, muscular body doesn't necessarily mean you're a good poser or you don't have good stage presence. And so those are the, like, the intangibles that you have to work on off stage. And then also, too, like, do you have good board shorts? Do they fit you well? You know, does the judge like that color to complement your skin tone? Do they like your haircut? You know, things like that. So um, men's physique is like um, the bodybuilding of yesterday as where the bodies in the physique competition um are more of a, you know, reachable goal for today's athlete. So today's athlete mm -hmm. wants to look more like Arnold, but in board shorts, versus uh, today's bodybuilder who's about, you know, he's got probably like 150 pounds on me <laughs> at the same height. Wow. <laughs> that type of thing, yeah. What is your dimensions? Your like what people say online on those uh, apps and stuff. What what are your stats? What what what, oh, what, what stats? stats? Grinder. Yeah, what are your right? stats? <laughs> yeah, all right, right. My grinder stats. Yeah. My right, stats. right. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I get asked all the time. It's all right. It's cool. We can flirt. No, it's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Eddie. Um, so um, I'm I'm only five six actually. A lot of people uh, oh, I think wow. I get some pictures. I look really tall, but I'm actually kind of I'm a pocket gay. Uh, um, nice. Yeah, I'm five six, okay. and then right now I'm bulking a little bit. So I weigh um, one seventy two okay. right now. So that's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, okay. I still have the abs though, so we're not getting fat. But um, so I'm trying to get up to. I want to ideally weigh like one like eighty and be like at three or four percent body fat. So right now I'm at like 170 and probably right around 8% body fat. So, wow. you know, the struggle is real. <laughs> That's insane. That is incredible. Yeah. We are, folks, we're talking with Sergeant Shane Ortega. Uh, he's just uh, competed in the uh, NPC competition, fourth place. And now you move forward to the Nationals. What does that look like? What does that mean, moving forward? Go. 
So moving forward to the Nationals, it means that I can compete and attempt to get a professional-level qualification, which means, like, my pro card and start doing pro competitions. Um, but so there's another competition here that's a regional um, in Hawaii. It's called Paradise Cup. And if I qualify in the top three for Paradise Club, you know, that's really good. It's great practice. But um, I definitely am going to try to do a national-level competition next year just because, um, I, you know, I'm a sergeant. <laughs> it's kind of expensive for like accommodations and stuff. So, oh, and also wow. too, I would like to come in a little bit larger, and on a little bit more uh, lean at the same time for that level of competition. So that way, I like knock it out of the ballpark. Well, that's an interesting kind of conversation here that we can kind of seg into. You know, you're still actively serving military how is this impacting your fitness competitions are you able to do both how does all of this work as far as balancing your workload and your fitness schedule to be honest um i'm kind of jealous of like the the competitors that have like uh you know either they work at a gym or like they have the time to like focus because for me um in the military we do so much cardio for um at work and then also Mm -hmm. we work really long hours so I have to um, work out after work, and so it's just really hard to get all the training in necessarily that I need. And then um, meal prep. Uh, <laughs> meal prep is always hard. It's always hard to, like, make enough meals but not make enough, you know, too many meals because, you know, like food. So um, I just wish uh, maybe one day, like, dig it out that, like, I'll be able to, like, focus more just on getting that aspect done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, folks, if you have any kind of question or comment you'd like to make and, and talk to uh, Sergeant Ortega, by all means, the number, 866-305-6887. Shane Ortega, he, in, within the 10 years, he served in three combat tours, two in Iraq, two in, uh, one in Afghanistan, um, and he is an amazing um, bodybuilder and already qualified for national competition uh, in physique and fitness training, 866-305-6887. I have this question here. Do you believe, Shane, that your actions, uh, your presence in the spotlight uh, has somehow brought this kind of renewed pressure on the Pentagon to finally act on efforts towards full LGBT inclusion? I mean, not the repeal of don't ask, don't tell in 2010, have we seen the military actually start taking small yet incremental steps towards LGBT inclusion? You know, and and I'm under the impression that with the help of the American Civil Liberties Union, you've met with senators, White House staffers, senior Pentagon officials. I mean, might we have you to thank for all of this? Oh, that's a a big award to try to to take. Um, No, I don't think that I did everything for this movement. Um, it's definitely been people, a collective, a group of people. I would say that, um, you know, the ACLU, as well as my my organization, Military Freedom Coalition, uh, which uh, has Kristen Beck, the former Navy SEAL that sits on our board, we have been pushing on our effort very intensely for, you know, about six years. In the last three years, we've been pushing extremely hard. Um I think that, you know, there was a lot of uh, groups that contributed to the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, but, you know, we, you know, in military freedom coalition, we pushed that, you know, um, Sean Saylor and I um, had been working on that policy for the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell since 2009, you know, um, I think that uh, saying that I am the person 
that put the most pressure, uh, to, to some degree, maybe slightly true, um, just because I was actively serving, and so it kind of like they had to make sort of decisions. But I want to say that I worked with my chain of command in that respect. I, um, you know, I believed in my chain of command, and I believed in their humanity. And so I gave them the opportunity to sort of be educated and kind of do the due process of, like, I'm informing you, I'm going to file this paperwork up to this Office of the Surgeon General. And then, you know, from there it went to the Pentagon. And so um, I just wanted to use the system as it was intended to and to see uh, kind of throw out a Hail Mary at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's basically, you know, the medical tests. Uh, I think that's what's now showing you having, you know, elevated testosterone levels as a result of hormones for your transition. Um, All of that in terms of paperwork, I presume that that needs to be all sort of taken care of, correct? Correct. Um, So, like, legally, um, in in that sort of realm, I have been male for, you know, going on five years now. But to the military, you know, they have this um, enrollment system, and in the military enrollment system, they haven't changed it. I've already uh, applied for that to be changed. Um, I haven't gotten okay. a decision back yet. But um, to the military, you know, I'm following the WPATH healthcare, you know, for transgendered uh, people that's outlined. So it's not like I'm deviating from that sort of, like, healthcare plan. But um, the military is just trying to come in line with kind of, like, what to do. <laughs> Um, yeah. There's a lot of people that yeah. are just very uh, undereducated on this particular subject, and that brings me to like my question is like, at what age in our you know in our society should we really start talking about gender and sexuality, diversity? Like maybe this should be part of our public education school system. I'm just saying, board of education. Yeah, no. All right. There you go. There you <laughs> yeah. go. Folks, we're talking with Sergeant Shane Ortega the first openly transgender person to serve in the U.S. military and bodybuilder, 866-305-6887. Shane, how has your fellow military personnel um, reacted, responded with you? You know, what's going on there? Um, So my chain of command has given me nothing but great, genuine support. And uh, they just want to make sure that, like every other soldier, I'm treated fairly. And um, as far as the other soldiers I serve with, you know, I've gotten really, really positive um, responses, actually. Um, A lot of really, like, genuine, like, support. Um, I haven't really felt much friction from anyone, actually. Wow. Well, Sergeant, you are uh, so admired. Um, (laughs) Gay, straight, bisexual, trans, the entire—everyone is pulling for you. And we love the fact that you are— proud of who you are do you know what i'm saying because here you are you know outside of the fact that you know being in the military that's number one and number two you're competing as a bodybuilder in a sport that has so much testosterone all over the place um and we actually had um an interview last sunday with um chris morgan i'm not sure if you know him but he's a British lifter um out in england and it was a very intense conversation, Shane, that we had with um, with Chris, because I kept talking about the fact that you know you have you heard of Rob Kearney? You've heard of Rob Kearney? Yes, I have. He's the uh, the world's second strongest man in the in in the in America. Um, yes, and he that is, was actually he's turned pro. His... Yes. 
yeah, he's he just turned pro, and and if you just kind of Google his name, he's there with his uh his his boyfriend, and he's open about it, and it's visible, and he's proud. Whereas if you go on uh, Chris Morgan, you know, and on his webpage, you know, and, and I'm not, and I mentioned this um, in a conversation that he and I had online after the interview because the interview was really intense folks if you want to listen to that interview by all means go to Sirius Sirius XM uh, and their on-demand program and and you can get all the programming from last Sunday's show but Chris Morgan um, I I felt that we needed to kind of communicate and talk after the show because it was just so intense and he was under the impression that I had this huge obsession with Rob Kearney, and it wasn't. I had that was n- totally not the point. My point was that you have athletes who are more comfortable with being so open about being a weightlifter, about being a powerlifter, about being the second strongest man, uh, but they just happen to be gay. They just happen to be trans. The public yeah. doesn't get to see many gay guys competing in the sport of this nature. Surely, you know there are many men and women out there all over the world who compete who are gay but they're not particularly open about it like you know do they wear pride apparel during events is their partner or boyfriend supporting or escorting them while at competitive matches and events do their websites or social media carry images of themselves and mention anything about lgbt support and as a matter of fact which i didn't mention in the interview if you go on chris morgan's webpage he has no images. He has no photos. No one has a clue of what, what he looks like unless you really what? die. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's, I'm that's just kind of trying to – well, I'm just kind of trying to figure out, like, some some competitors feel, Shane, you know, they don't necessarily need to do any of those things and just simply want to play or compete in the sport that they love, which is Chris's pers- uh, uh, perspective. Others say right. – why well, not be more visible? Now. Why not challenge those to, negative stereotypes? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm going to have to interject on that one. So I understand, okay, having sort of like um, discretion. Some people are kind of come from that sort of like old school thing, uh, line of thinking where it's like, I have to have discretion. This is very private. Right. But it's like our society has evolved, and we've all realized the real truth, the realness, as Janet Mock likes to say, is that human beings need to be honest with each other. We, and in order to perform better at your sport, you need to have that mind-body connection, which means you need to be honest with yourself. And when you can do that, you will perform better. So saying that, like, um, you don't want to talk about your sexuality or your sexuality or your transness is unimportant, well, in this particular time and day and age where human rights are so crucial globally, we have so many people ostracized and marginalized, it's kind of like a man is measured by the good efforts that he does. Yes, you can be a top performer, but if you're a top performer and you're not helping your fellow athlete, let's put it that way, or that fellow athlete's humanity or like that sort of like social construct that they're you know being scrutinized in, you're basically mm-hmm. allowing and saying, agreeing with the bully silently that it's okay to make fun of this person for their sexuality or it's okay to make fun of this person for being transgender because they're different and everybody else makes fun of people, but I don't need to speak out. So that's basically allying with those people by not doing anything. Exactly. And that was the point. And it's a huge debate that we had after his interview. Um, uh, and we were talking about this exact thing um, once Chris got off the line. But I had an opportunity to connect with uh, Chris after the show. And he was very quick to say that, you know, his career has been all about proving 
gay men do have the physical and mental attributes that are needed to compete at the highest level, the tough, the highest level, and the tough no. strength uh, in this in this competition. He's done that, but unfortunately, and here's his uh, prerogative. He says that early in his career, and mind you, he just received the uh, National Gay and Lesbian Sports Hall of Fame award this past Friday in Chicago. He said, unfortunately, earlier in his career. There were only very few role models that understood what he was going through uh, within his career. And he definitely uh, notes Dave Copay. And again, you know, he's one of, and he mentions that he's one of the few gay athletes that he's met that he's had the opportunity to actually understand what it takes to succeed in sports like powerlifting because Dave Cope, of course, is a, you know, NFL player, but he's tough as nails. And we've had Dave Cope on the show. Donnie, we probably need to reach back to Dave and find out how he because Dave Cope's interview, Shane, it was quite possibly the most compelling interview that we've ever had on this show because Dave, you know, he's a cert of a certain age. He's in his, you know, 70s or late 70s, um, perhaps even 80s, maybe 70s, but he broke, down. he broke down on the show because he is so filled with the just exactly what you were talking about earlier, how so many people within their silence they're still coming to grips with their sexuality but they don't want to be visible and exactly. it's killing him to think that even uh, it, it's taken him so long throughout the nfl you know he he, 70, he retired and then came years. out Seventy years of that man exactly life. the three four decades and at the same time he's still still struggling still struggling in his age still struggling with his sexuality same time he knows that a fight needs to be made and he knows that there's so much that needs to take place of understanding that an evolution that's going on there's still so much that needs to take place but i right. just found that uh, exchange so interesting with uh, the power lifter from england chris morgan yeah so like i just want to talk about that a little bit if we can just like athletes competing oh. in sports um you know this is supposed to be you know, the best of our, our human physicality peak, but also, too, we have to bring our mentalness to the, to the performance, right? And so when we're sort of idolized and we're in these positions, we definitely need to use those platforms, as I'm trying to do, as best as we can, because that's sort of like our responsibility to our community, our society, as being these, like, sort of representations or embodiments of all that is, you know, paralysis, let's put it that way. So, like... Yeah. As, as myself, as my athlete, like, I always want to make sure that I realize that, you know, athletes are multidimensional people. We are also intelligent human beings. We're social. We're innovative. We're creative, you know. Um, and so with our expressions, we need to be uh, trying to enhance those around us. For Dave to have to suffer for that many years being, uh, you know, marginalized is, is deplorable because, yeah. in all honesty, that means his society, our society, is not accepting. It's non-tolerant. And that's just not acceptable. We're supposed to be one of the most innovative, progressive, democratic you know, countries in the world, and yet this is how we treat the best of our best. How will we treat the worst, you know, the person we consider not the best of our best? You know what I mean? So if that's how we treat the best of our best, like then no one can be satiated. And then also, too, it kind of focuses on that sort of, like, um, a gay man or a trans man or, you know, a pansexual person who, whatever, shouldn't have to prove their, that their sexuality is a, isn't a, a negative thing.
or their yeah. their gender identity is a negative thing. They should be able to go out there and be an athlete and can prove that like they're the best of the best of like their their country or their state or their city. That's what they're there for. Um, to just be like honed in or focused on this message of like because I'm gay, I have to be the best manliest gay man. Kind of um, attributes to like internalized misogyny. Um, internalized femme shaming, you know, sort of thing, where it's like human beings have both masculine and feminine qualities, and we should be able to embrace them and move forward. Like, you're a great athlete. Why can't you just be a great athlete? Don't don't miss the The outfield. outfield. Sundays, 11 a.m. East, 8 West, on Sirius XM LQ.